This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to Mercy Talk. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you're new to the podcast, my name is Rachel Thomas, and I'm the podcast coordinator and content specialist here. And I'm Dr. Brooke Keels. Um, I'm the senior director of counseling and program strategy here at Mercy. And I am Melanie Wise, the senior director of outreach. I literally almost forgot my title. <laughs> glad it came. Glad it we came. Make up new ones yeah. all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so glad that you guys are joining us today. Um, we are going to really be uh, focusing in, you know, this month um, was Suicide Awareness. Well, was, there was Suicide Awareness Day, but it's not a month, right? It's a day. There's a specific day. Um, and we really kind of wanted to dive into this topic that, um, honestly, I feel like a lot of people just avoid talking about. I'm not going to lie, sometimes even here when we talk about we should do some shows on this, it's like, ah, it's just so hard, it's so heavy, Um, it's so difficult to know what to say, how to equip people on every element of this issue, it's just, it's not an easy one, Um, but you know what, we decided we needed to dive into this one this month, and so um, last, our last show that we did, we featured a graduate of Mercy, and just kind of her story, and her struggles with uh, suicidal thoughts, and it just, y'all, I cannot get over how great that show was, and I can say that because I wasn't on it. <laughs> you guys did a fantastic job, and Ashley and her story and the things that she shared mm-hmm. um, were just incredibly, it wasn't just inspiring, but it was really helpful. Yeah. It was some of the most helpful things that I've ever heard on this specific topic. And so um, I really do encourage you, if you're listening today and have not been able to hear that one, um, to do that. Um, yeah. Again, and not just for the like hope and, and powerful testimony that she shared, but man, she shared so many things that I just feel like if you know someone who is struggling in this area, um, there's some very practical things that were discussed on that show. Mm -hmm. And um, that is often what people I think are looking for is is like, if I know someone who's struggling with this, what am I supposed to do? I I know I'm not supposed to be quiet, but I'm too scared to dive into this and because I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help. And I just think that that show nailed it. So um, anyway, I encourage you to do that. Today we are going to kind of shift our focus. We're going to still be on this topic, but we kind of wanted to really speak directly to people who um, are kind of on the the backside of experiencing this kind of loss. They've known someone, they've had someone close to them um, who have made it, who have made the choice to take their life. And um, man, what do you do on the backside of that? How do you process that? How do you heal? You know, when we, when the idea for this show kind of came up, I know the three of us were talking and we were just like, the Lord was kind of bringing up different people that we've all known. um, And even us ourselves and some of the experiences we've had of people that we've known um, who've, who've had to deal with this on the backside. And, and we were kind of unfortunately saying like, I don't know many people who've been able to work through this and process through this and have really kind of found 
that healing that they needed on the backside of this. Um, and so that just inspired us to say, why don't we do a show that's really kind of directed to that group of people? Um, and so that's really, that's where we're headed today. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, I would say like just in this conversation and the um, things that we've even just been researching and looking at it, you know, it's kind of brought us back to this, this bigger idea of like, man, this stuff is happening within the church. This is not just for people outside of the church or just for people who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even just, I know, Rachel, you, you found a survey that Lifeway recently did and just about how um, some of the stats that kind of stood out to me in that one was um, that 23% of pastors acknowledge that they personally have struggled um, with some sort of mental health issue, mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, 49% of pastors say that they rarely or never speak to their congregations about mental health, about mental illness. Um, And then another one that was significant was that 65% of church-going family members of those with mental illness want their talk. Oh, want their church to talk about this. Yeah. They, they want to hear, they're, they're seeking that out. Um, and I will say that, you know, even in saying those things, I um, was talking to our um, church partnerships coordinator here at Mercy, uh, Caleb, and Caleb's in the pastoral world. He's, he's, you know, having conversations with pastors. He kind of knows what's happening in that world, if you will. And he said, especially in this season of time, a lot of people in pastoral ministry are basically being told you should be an expert at this. Mm. You should be great at this. You should understand mental health. You should. And and we at Mercy are very passionate about telling people in pastoral ministry, like you can't ignore this stuff. You can't sweep this stuff under the rug. But I think it's also very important that we are not saying you should be an expert at this. You Mm. should know what you're talking about. Um, And so I could say a lot more about that, but Brooke, I'm sure you feel very passionately about that thought. Um, and, and truly what Caleb was saying to me was he said, we're being told by the world, this should be a lane that you should be filling. So therefore what happens is we uh, start talking like we know what we're doing. <laughs> right, right. Because right. we're getting that pressure from people from the outside of like, you need to address this. You need to talk about this. And so we're like, well, I guess I need to be an expert now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You be knowing that you're not. So or you could just be secure and know that you're not yeah. and then yeah. build resources around you that are. And that's yeah. the thing. Like if you're not a mental health expert, then you're not a mental health expert and right. you don't have to be, but you do have to be secure enough as a leader in your church to say, I'm not, but I know people who are. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but it is just the most discouraging thing in the world to me to see pastors act like they're mental health experts who have incredibly gifted counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists in their congregation. Like the idea that we wouldn't even consult on this, that, that, that there, you wouldn't kind of approach your colleagues, if you will, um, in, in coming up with a plan is just, it's just shocking to me because you would never expect that in any other field. Mm-hmm. If you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, hey, something's going on, I'm not sure what it is, we fully expect him to consult with someone else or right. send 
for a second opinion. Yeah. So why would that expectation be any different in the pastoral world? And so, mm-hmm. and, and especially because I do believe, yes, the church should have the answers. We know who the creator of the universe is, which means those counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors, all these people who also know who the creator of the universe is can partner with you to walk people through what's going on mental health wise. And just, you know, again, the shock that I have had of just the, the, we can call them mega churches or whatever it is that don't even have they a clue that they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I try to be very careful because I don't want to be critical. It's just really difficult for me because it's not hard. Like there are so many resources available that if we, communicated and that we were humble in that place that we could really support the church. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that the 23% statistic of pastors struggle with mental illness is a completely deflated statistic. There is absolutely no way that as a pastor, when you carry the weight of a congregation that you have not struggled with some level of anxiety, I'm not talking about you've got diagnosable personality disorders. And I think we need to define that. But if you have not struggled with depression, anxiety, you know, or, you know, malaise or some level of that, then you're not pastoring. Like, I I mean, you as I'm saying this as, you know, the ultimate preacher's kid, like (laughs) you you can't walk with people in their hurts, you know, and, and try and carry it. And you're not even communicating to your church about these things. And then that you yourself don't struggle with it. And I have so much grace for people like, you know, saying like, I don't, you know, maybe feel safe sharing my walk or whatever that that stuff is. But it's fascinating to me that we'll share our walk of unbelief. We'll share like our struggle of, you know, just these different places, but we won't just share, you know what, it's really, uh, it's really hard for me to have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of anxiety right now and I've got to figure that out because that's digging in with the Lord. Where are these, where's this coming from? What do I need to do? And then treating the whole person, right? Mm -hmm. The spirit, soul, uh, body, you know, and the soul being, and Melanie helped me, we've talked about this, you know, your mind, your emotions, your will, that sort of thing. Like we are a whole being and we don't ignore that anywhere else. But for some reason in the church, we're really comfortable ignoring that. So I I, I just, I think you nailed it a little bit earlier when you were talking about, um, it requires for, for people and in leadership within the church, it requires such a significant amount of uh, humility and therefore a lot of strength. Um, because all it tells me when someone in, you know, pastoral ministry who is not an expert in any of these fields and is trying to maybe speak like one or advise as if they are one, um, is that one of two things is happening. They just don't know what they don't know. And that's okay. There's just an ignorance happening there. And our hope and goal as an organization is to maybe open eyes to what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's either that or it's just, you know, unfortunately, as, as harsh as this might sound, it is a pride thing of just like, mm. and I get it because I used to be in, in this role within a church where I was like, I I should be good at this. I'm supposed to be helping people with this. I need to be relevant. I need to be with the times. And so I felt that pressure and it took a while for me to be willing to be like, this is not my lane. And all of you guys are trying to push me into this lane and it's not mine. 
Um, And it's okay. And I just need to be very secure and humble enough to say, this is not where my forte is. This is where my forte is. And I will walk this lane well. But as Brooke said, I have got to be in partnership with um, believers who are the experts in these fields. And so uh, we've clearly harped on that enough, but it's just such, it's such a big deal. It's a big deal in this season of time. Yes. Let me, on that same line of thought, let me ask you one more question and just throw this out there. And I know we've had this discussion certainly off air and and all the time at Mercy, really, because it's kind of a, 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 a part of who we are. But another number that was discussed in, in the survey as well was that, um, and I've got to read this because, you know, math. Uh, anyways, 35% of Americans say mental illness could be overcome with just Bible study and prayer alone. And again, I know we talk about a person as a whole being, and for whatever reason in the church, kind of like what you said, Brooke, we have a hard time just, you know, thinking about it in that way. And I would love to just hear your, your take on, we talk about a lot of, you know, the highest, you know, quality clinical with the highest spiritual. And, and I would love for you to maybe break down for our listeners what that means. And can the two exist together? Cause at mercy, that's something we really, you know, believe in. Yeah. I mean, I think they have to exist together to, to say, you know, and let me, let me be very clear. Like, the Lord is the one who heals. Okay. And, and your counselor does not heal you. That is not it, right? Your counselor equips you, helps you get to a place, but like what we do at Mercy, yes, like this high, the highest level clinical with the deepest spiritual, right? Is that place of when you have never been in a healthy relationship, the implication that if you pray hard enough, then you will know what healthy relationships are. Or if you study the word enough, then you will grasp what that is is just not possible. That is why we live in community. That is why we have people that come alongside us, right? At the same time, you can't just go to counseling one hour a week and expect that your life is going to be completely changed. It takes the church. It takes community. It takes the the pastors, the lay pastors, your friends, you know, mentors, accountability. Like there's a whole system of people that have to exist for us to truly be able to walk in what I think the Lord has for us and freedom. Um, but also to say that puts such pressure on people to say, well, then you're not doing enough. So, so, I mean, how many people, you know, generally, you know, ministers or ministers, kids that are just struggling with these things and to say that like you clearly didn't pray enough or study the word enough, you know, that you must not want it bad enough. Like the pressure that that puts on is not what the Lord would call us to. That's not even his, Jesus's verbiage right? It's to know me. And part of knowing the Lord means you've got other people to help you understand who he is, right? So even if if you had all this trauma in your life, or maybe didn't have a healthy relationship with your dad, right? I feel like that's probably the number one thing people are like, my dad was crazy, and you want me to trust God's a good father? Well, there's a lot of things to explore there. What agreements were made about a man and a father that impede your relationship with the Lord? Right. So our job, even at Mercy, right, especially at Mercy, is to help people get healthy enough that they can hear from the Lord, that they can have a relationship with the Lord, that they're stable enough to even understand what that means and are stable enough to understand his character and who he is. Right. When you are at the deepest of the deep, it's really hard to try and figure out what God's character is and have faith in that place, right? And so you have to walk alongside people in that way. Um, and then at the end of the day, too, we have to understand that people are individuals. 
they do different, like they have different experiences and that this is a fallen world. And some people have different levels of trauma to act like we shouldn't treat that. But, and then they're less than if they still struggle is just really cruel, honestly. And, and it doesn't make sense to me, I, you know? So, so that's, you know, why I say like, if, if I have the creator of the universe as my inspiration, then we as Christians should be the best clinicians the best psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors, pastors, like all of the people, the best accountability partners, the best mentors, the best, like it takes this whole group of people to help somebody walk in freedom and be discipled, you know? So that's why we do, we have the counseling, we have the clinical, but we also have this incredibly deep level of discipleship as well. Yeah. That's so I think uh, for anybody who's listening and going, Hey, like Melanie said, y'all going to talk to people about like the aftermath of suicide and y'all are not talking about that. I want to point out that I think that these are important. You know, what we've, what we've just been talking about these last couple of minutes is like a really important framework in moving into this Mm -hmm. conversation because um, you know, a lot of what we do um, through our podcasts, through the different services we offer through outreach is that we're, we're wanting to equip helpers. We w- we're wanting to equip leaders, specifically leaders within the church. Um, and, and so you, you have people, and that's kind of where we started the show, is like you have people in your church who are either struggling with suicidal thoughts, they, um, or they know someone who they've already lost to suicide. Um, and, and we have to be able to, to address these issues within the church, um, but we have to be able to address them in a very wise, holistic way, which is basically what we just said uh, in a really long way uh, over the last couple of minutes. So I think, um, again, it's just important framework for that conversation. And I would love for us to kind of shift into that a little bit, um, you know, again, just saying like, what does life look like? What does healing look look like for, you know, friends and family in the aftermath of suicide. I can think of a a very specific situation that I dealt with um, when I was a youth pastor um, where a young woman in our ministry took her life. And there was, I mean, no way on planet earth that I knew what to do, what to say, how to help her mom and dad after that like at a total loss. And I'm just going to guess that there are other people out there who would say they feel the same way. Um, or who would say, no, I've walked that road and I've not experienced healing or freedom in any way from that. So the fact that mercy is free for us girls, like that was just so unreal to me. I couldn't believe that we didn't have to worry about finances or put that burden on our families. I already felt like I had burdened my family with so many different things. So now adding a financial burden of trying to get me better just felt like it was just too much to bear. So being able to go there, go there free, not having to worry about finances was just like honestly such a relief and just one less thing to worry about. And so to the people who are giving and donating, I mean, it's been the most life-changing thing for me. And I can't say thank you enough. I can't imagine having to navigate finances while working on my issues at the same time and all that. It would just be such an an additional layer. And so having that freedom um, 
I mean, I just like, I can't say thank you enough. It means the world to me. It changed my life and I'm able to do what I do now because of it. So thank you. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Brooke, as our resident expert, <laughs> yes. I would love for you to just kick that off by just saying like, how does someone even begin to process what healing looks like after such a like deeply life altering event? So, so I mean, I know we're doing this podcast on this topic, but it's actually a huge topic. So I'm going to do my best to <laughs> like six episodes yeah. on this. Great. I made so many episodes Great. on it, probably in each thing. And the reason yeah. is because grief is so complex. It is just, it's an, an animal in and of itself. And a lot of people don't understand what that looks like. You know, there are stages of grief, but it, it doesn't just walk through like, oh, I'm done with denial now, and now I'm in acceptance. And, you know, right. it's not like that. And it comes in waves, and it hits at different times, and especially when it's something like suicide, because there are so many questions. You know, when you lose somebody in either a tragic accident or an illness or something, there's some level of explanation. But when somebody chooses to take their own life, even if they write a note, there's just a million and one questions all of the aspects of like, what did I miss? What did I see? I mean, you just start diving into these details. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's incredibly difficult to process that, as you can imagine. And then also what comes up with all of it is, you know, I mean, most of the time when you lose somebody, there's people are, you know, coming with you, to you and talking to you about how much they cared about the person or yeah. all the special things about that person. Mm. And when it's with suicide, people don't know what to say. Yeah. They're pretty much awkward. I mean, like you mentioned, right. You're like, I have no idea what to say. And on top of that, you feel shame. And then you also are then angry at the person who left the way because of how they left, right. Yeah. Because of how they chose to end their life. And so it is just, there's just a lot mm. happening. And so, with all of that, with all of the complexity, the process of healing, you know, and, and I'll just tell you, we lost, you know, a family member to that when I was really young. And so I've been able to kind of watch this for a long time, like how the process goes. I've seen um, family members just start out with trying to understand it and then kind of coming to the resolution of like, at the end of the day, I loved them. I loved them. And, you know, thankfully, I have a lot of mental health people as well as pastors in my family. And so there was a lot of kind of uh, understanding that maybe there wouldn't have been, you know, 25 years ago um, in this arena. And so, but at that same time, you know, what's really important is that the people who have lost someone feel safe talking about the good things mm -hmm. about the person they lost, right? This person did not get erased just because they chose this, right? Because it made sense. At the end of the day, as awful as suicide is, it made sense to them. Yeah, It seemed like the only way, whether it was rash or thought out or whatever, you know, that is what seemed like the only way. And so that does not negate this person's life. Right. This one moment doesn't. And so finding a place, if, if you have lost someone, a lot of times people just kind of shut down and they don't feel safe talking about, but they were an incredible person, especially depending on your beliefs about suicide, which we're not going to dig into, mm. but you really have to assess what that is 
and, and, and find people that you can talk with and, and really remember the person the way you would as if you lost them any other way. Right. Yeah. Um, and know that the grief is going to be more complicated. It is not a simple process. Um, and I think that, you know, again, like the shame that comes from losing someone and then also grieving that and then also being angry at them, mm. it's kind of a tough thing to carry all in one place. <laughs> and so that probably compounds the shame. So it's like, I shouldn't be angry at them. Like exactly. I, feel, exactly. I feel bad that I'm mad, <laughs> you know, like it just, yeah, it's so that's exactly right. And here's the thing. No one else will understand this mm-hmm. except for other people who have walked through it too. Mm-hmm. And so number one, I'm here to normalize that. If somebody has walked through that, that like the shame, the anger, you're right. Like they feel bad about feeling angry. Mm-hmm. You feel bad about feeling like you missed something. Just, I mean, it's just, it's just, you feel bad. Yeah. I mean, it's a bad, bad feeling. And so, you know, I really do encourage people to, to connect with other people and, in um, grief, there's a lot of groups. There are a lot of, you know, for grief and for those grieving um, people who have lost somebody, a loved one by suicide and connect with those people because they get it. It's such a complicated thing. And to sit with somebody else who can also be like, oh yeah, I felt so bad with how mad I was. I couldn't even feel the love I had for them because I was so angry. And then grieving that you feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, and so um, I think the layers of it, it's really important to connect with other people who have walked through it as well. We talk about this. No one will completely understand. Mm. But with something like that, it's it's really important to connect with, with someone who's felt that loss in that way. Right. Um, I think it helps you just not feel alone and not feel like you're a bad person and not feel like you're crazy mm-hmm. that you feel a way you could never feel had you not walked through this, yeah. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, and I think to also letting people know that you do need them to walk alongside you, right? So, so people may not know what to say. They may not know what to do. But when you have people you know that love you, mm-hmm. call them up and go, I need you to come sit with me. Like be, be willing to tell people what you need. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask. Somebody's going to ask, hopefully, okay? <laughs> Somebody in your life will go, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And you may feel like you need to isolate because you don't even know what to say. But I really encourage those who have walked through this and have carried it for a long time, or maybe they're recently walking through it, um, that they, that they allow people into their life to come and just sit with them and be with them, even if they don't get it, yeah. that they can hold your hand or they can, you know, just go to Walmart with you just to feel some sense of normalcy or, you know, share amazing memories. Yeah. You know, I have a question just to jump off of that. Like, you know, cause I'm thinking through people that I know who have walked through this, you know, um, I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah. So many of them isolated to such a crazy extent because I just can imagine because of all the things that you just said, because of the shame, the guilt, the anger, the inability to connect with anybody. Cause maybe they don't know somebody else who's walked through that. And so they're just, they, they just isolate, they pull back, they disconnect from people. Um, and, and in some of it maybe too, it's like, nobody's going to be able to fix this. So I don't even need to be around people. Um, so I think what you're saying is so important. It's so important. Um, I also would wonder, do you have any thoughts and suggestions on, because we've already said in this podcast, most people don't know what to say. And let's be honest. Some people use that as an opportunity to just not say a lot. Yeah. 
some people use that as an opportunity to say so many things that hoping that something will land, right? Like, right. I'm going to roll the dice. Like, oh my word, please stop talking. Like, just stop mm-hmm. saying words. Or I know that even like when I've lost loved ones, um, or I've been walking through my own season of grief, I'm like, I've got to offer an incredible amount of grace to everybody around me, knowing that they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. But I also have to create a boundary around my heart right now that doesn't allow the careless comments of other people to like sink into a deep place for me, especially with this one, because as you said, there are people who have different theological thoughts on suicide. And so people mm-hmm. could say some really hurtful, damaging things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, do you have any thoughts on just how does someone's kind of safeguard themselves, especially with this issue? Yeah. I mean, I think one, yes, you don't want to isolate. And then part of that comes from being afraid of who's going to judge your loved one and who's going to judge you that you didn't know like that. I mean, that's the thing I I hear the most is people asking, like, you didn't know, like, well, obviously, you know what I mean? Like, but there, you know, and that's what we do as people. We want to like figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. This is why when you drive by a wreck on the interstate, you slow down putting everyone else in danger so that you can figure out what happened, even though it has nothing to do with you. This is what we naturally do. And so as a person that is grieving, I think you do have to really to the best of your ability. And it takes so much effort, but again, choose the couple people they can have your back. And sometimes you kind of have to have a guardian who's going to be like when you're walking through the service or the memorial or any of those things, like who's going to be the person that kind of can keep, keep people moving along. And you're right. Like, of course, probably every day of my life, I think I wish this person would stop talking. So that's a little bit different. But when you're talking about actual hurtful things, I think you really do. That's in, in grief more than ever is when you, start realizing how people just don't get things and, 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 and not letting that take root as like everyone is terrible. Right. Right. And so, and so it takes a, a lot of that, but I also think, but again, joining with people who've walked through it and done that, but you do really have to put kind of the boundary around your heart that no one is going to say something to you that is going to just make you feel better anyway. Right. And shifting the expectation that people are yep. going to say what they're going to say. Yep. And they just are, and and they mean well, <laughs> and probably, you know, um, and I think you also have a right to tell people, hey, like, I can't talk about that, mm-hmm. especially because people feel like in grief, you should hear their theological perspective. Mm-hmm. Bless those people. God, I think, loves them too. Um, but that's where you just go like, hey, I, that's not a conversation I'm going to have right now. Right, right. And that's okay to say that. Or if yeah. you have somebody to kind of be like, hey, we're not going to, let's not do that yeah. right at this moment, you know. Yeah, um, I love that. I think that you, when you said shift your expectations, that's such a good word of advice of just saying, no one's probably going to say anything that's going to fix it or heal it. And you probably already know that. But yeah. also there's a chance that people are going to say things that really aren't helpful and might even be hurtful. Um, and so just truly taking, <laughs> taking the words of other people lightly, to be honest, like yeah. and just giving people the benefit of the doubt, giving people some grace and really truly allowing your conversations with like your heavenly father to be what takes root in your heart in that season. Uh, right. Easier said than done, but I think it's good. It's important. Um, so I would, I would then, I guess, just the follow-up question to this is just, um, 
you know, we, we've kind of talked a little bit how like the church, and you know, this is something we get so passionate about. I even just said the word church in a very passionate, the church. Um, <laughs> Maybe we have some things to pray through. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Like the church really just, it, it, it needs to kind of step up in some areas just as a whole. I'm not saying, I'm sure the church you go to listeners are great, but um, you know, like the church as a whole just needs to do a better job of supporting uh, people who are, you know, as we talked earlier, just suffering from mental illness uh, and that kind of thing, but, but really also supporting the loved ones of people who have faced this type of tragedy. Mm-hmm. So how do you think from your perspective, Brooke, like how can the church do better? I think, you know, and if you haven't heard me say this a million times, here it is again. I think we really, the big C church has to get comfortable knowing what they don't know and being comfortable with understanding their scope. And that even applies to you just as a person existing with other humans. Like, this is what I know about. This is not what I know about. And I say this in jest, though it is very true. I'm really good at counseling stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm really bad at geography, okay? I don't know where states are. That's fine, (laughs) but I am aware of that. So if you ask me where something is, I have no idea. Uh My husband likes to make fun of me about it, and I know I'm I'm making light of it, but that's just the reality of it. You've got to know, you know what, I'm really good at, I'll just pick this, like intercessory prayer. So then I know when somebody's hurting, I'm going to let them know I am praying for you and I am covering you. And I have nothing else to say other than that is what I'm doing for you. Um, I think the church, the understanding of, of mental illness, of tragedy, of all of that, again, goes back to it's like we live in this fear that if we don't say the right thing to comfort someone, then we're like failing Jesus mm-hmm. you know, or we're like failing as Christians or like we're supposed to have this thing. And I think it, it's it's twofold, right? I think one piece of it is I think Jesus would just sit with us and hold us and hold our hand. I think that's what he does now. (laughs) That's exactly what he's doing, you know, as we grieve. I know you have talked about that in your own story, like he just held you, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, so kind of taking that into just being comfortable being present with people and not having to share our thoughts and opinions outside of I am here and what do you need? Um, And I think too, you know, and if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, how do I figure out what I do know and don't know. Well, honestly, that's a big reason why we have empower. That's mm-hmm. why we train. We'll tell do, you what you don't know. Well, I will tell you, no, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, geography come and help me, <laughs> you know, but I just think that like it is, you know, and I don't mean that from a critical standpoint, but what I feel like we do so well and what empower does so well is help people be very comfortable with what God has equipped them to do and yeah. fully equip, you know, and, and what he's called them to do. And we help, you know, I, I, that's why I'm so passionate about what we do mm-hmm. is for that reason is equipping the church with what God, God has called people to do and let them narrow that down. Yeah. And I think it's in grieving, walking somebody through grief more than any other time. It's really important to know that place. So don't speak into mental health stuff if you don't know about it. Right now is not the time to go, you know what? My second cousin by marriage almost committed suicide. Like that's not the time to connect on that level. Right. I mean, I mean, truly, and I I know like I'm, I'm not even being funny with that, but that's what people tend to do because they're trying to connect. Yeah. And that's why I say, take a step back, take a deep breath, 
ask the Lord, how can I, how can I be here for this person? And then offer that. And I think, you know, really understanding before you go talk to somebody, what is my bias on this subject? Because at the end of the day, you have a strong feeling one way or the other about suicide. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're not sure, dig in a little bit, because Mm -hmm. this is something we all have to really process and, and figure out. And you need to know what that is. So you don't go and kind of spill your bias over into someone who's not really asking for it. Um, and I mean, again, just ask somebody, how can I care for you? Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. Probably not a casserole, maybe Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, I, I heard this recently and I know this is going to be, oh, I don't even want to say what it was from because it's not a, a perfect comparison, but uh, it was basically a post on like, how do you, How's, what's the most helpful thing to do for new parents? It's like, honestly, they are so overwhelmed mentally and emotionally that Sorry. for you to say, Hey, how can I help you? Is like, I don't know. But the thought was, was like, what if you even just posed a couple of like, Hey, would it be a benefit or would it be helpful or would it be a blessing to you if we brought over dinner tomorrow? And it's mm-hmm. fine if that's a no. Would it be helpful? And maybe like to have like a few mm-hmm. things, like a, a few really things that you could offer also giving them the out like for them to yeah. be, just be like if it's, if it's no please tell me I do not want to impose That's right. help on you that you don't think will be helpful you know so I think right. I, I can only imagine especially when it's fresh when it's something that's just happened that they are so incredibly overwhelmed that they might not know how to answer that question but right to say hey you know, would it be helpful if I, you know, took your kids for a couple of hours and just gave you some space? Like, I just, I don't know, like, um, no, that's really good. Um, and, and I, I mean, especially something like that, thinking outside of the box of just like, if I was walking through that, what would potentially be mm-hmm. helpful to me? And then you're right, giving people the out. And if it is a no, don't worry. Just like covering you in prayer, whatever you need. And if you change your mind, let me know. Like that idea of, here's a couple of things and maybe they go, no, that actually wouldn't be helpful, but this would great. Cause we just want to know. Yeah. I, I really believe people just for the people who are walking through that. Like, yeah, we talked about creating some boundaries around your heart based on what people say, but like you just have to create such a, a solid and healthy boundary around your heart and mind when you are, when you are dealing with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where you've got to be able to say to people, listen, no, sorry, we can't have anybody over right now. No, actually, I don't want that. I don't yeah. need that. Thank you for your heart. No. Like you have to be able to protect yourself, your family, your heart to the utmost in a season like this. And so be, be right. aware of what you need and what you don't need and tell yeah. people. Because most yeah. of the time, people actually want to know. <laughs> For sure. And I think what you're saying is we are giving you permission, mm-hmm. if you are grieving, to not carry anybody else's That's junk. That's right. That's so right. don't worry about if somebody is offended or not or whatever. That is none of your business. Yeah. It is to, to take care of yourself. Yeah. Talk to the Lord about what, you, what do you need? <laughs> Just figuring out how to be with them. And then as people who care for them, our job is to not be offended and to l- allow people the space to answer honestly what they need, yeah. you know, and at the very least pray for them, mm-hmm. be there for them. And I think a biggest thing too, we're talking about it if it's something that recently happened. Yeah. But also remember like, if you know somebody that's been walking through this a long time and maybe you're like, you know what, I really wasn't all that present because I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still ask them, hey, mm-hmm. like, you know what, I didn't even know what to say, but I want you to know 
now if there's ever anything I can do, like mm-hmm. I'm here, I'd love to talk with you about X, Y, and Z or, yeah. you know, remember really special times or how has that been for you? Or, you know, just, just being able to be with people because it, it isn't, it doesn't go away. I mean, they lost somebody yeah. in a way yeah. they'll never have the right answers for. Yeah. And so it is, it is a, a pain that is there. And I think too, another thing that I've seen over and over with grief in general is a lot of people show up at the beginning and then everybody disappears about a week later. <laughs> and so even if you set reminders in your phone of just to kind of keep checking in or send cards, like that's something I actually try and do is I'll put a reminder in my phone to send a card a month or two later mm-hmm. or send a reminder a little bit later. And people are always saying like, thank you. Cause it feels like everybody just kind of moves on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And so, and I'm really bad at that stuff, which is why I have to have a reminder. Uh, yeah. Me too. So. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. And I think, um, you know, we talk so much about process here mm-hmm. and, and goodness knows grief is such a process and you can think like you've finished mm-hmm. <laughs> and then something else reopens that wound or that yeah. pain. And, and so I think as, as people who are loving and ministering to others, giving an incredible amount of grace, if, I mean, I, I have a good friend who lost a child almost 20 years ago. Oh, and gosh. I just found out like that they're just like, it's just now coming back up to this level where they're like, I've got to deal with this now. Yeah. It's like 20 years. And so, yeah. so giving an unbelievable amount of grace to people of going like, well, oh, that was so long ago. Like, how are they not okay now? You know, just, just right. always understanding that piece and um, knowing that the Lord is, is such a God of process. So giving people that freedom and that ability to walk the process out and that you're right. there to be with them no matter when and how long that's been. That's right. Even just the loss, I mean, you know this, like walking through a loss, things like birthdays, holidays, like those sorts of things, like even just being aware of that, one, as a person grieving, because sometimes it's like people be like, gosh, I'm feeling really weird, you know, in counseling, I'm like, well, is there, mm. you know, well, yeah, the birthday's coming up or mm. Easter was their favorite holiday or 4th of July, you know, and so sometimes you don't even realize yeah. it as someone grieving, especially when it's been 5, 10, 15 years, yeah. you know, and, and then for the people who care, like how great it is to commemorate, hey, like it's mm. their birthday, do you want to go celebrate? Like, mm. let's go, you know, celebrate them and, yeah. And, and of course the holidays is always for some of us the best time for some of us maybe a really rough time so gosh um, I'm like we could go into a whole another thing about grief and dealing with grief and uh, I know we don't want to like <laughs> we've yeah. kept our listeners long enough today but but I think at the end of the day just in listening to you talk and thinking through people that I know who've walked this road you know I'm just thinking like wow the enemy will take literally anything and everything and try to create um, just disaster and what's the word like that effect of just like um, I'm not thinking of the word (laughs) but where it's just like this residual effect that just goes out and it's like Mm -hmm. as many people as I can take out with this tragedy or this thing that has happened I'm gonna do it and so I say this with all the sensitivity in the world, knowing that I do know people who have taken their life, but it hasn't been a, like a, an immediate family member or someone that, you know. And so I know that this just sound, this could sound really just trite and small, but it's so true. Like the enemy will be out to take out your life with it. You know, maybe not physically take out your life, but like if you've lost someone to suicide, 
the enemy is out to destroy your life with it. And so I think what we're trying to say here is that like there are things that you can do to walk out this process of grief in a way that will bring ongoing healing throughout your life. Um, so right. that um, not to say that that's never going to hurt, never going to sting, and you're going to somehow graduate from grief in this area, but to be able to say there is a way to process this and a healthy way to go about this to where you will over the course of time, see more and more healing take place in your life. Um, and it's too important because the, the other alternative to that is that like your own life gets destroyed as well. And the enemy wants nothing more than that. He's like, yeah, I'll right. use this circumstance to just destroy everyone around it. We've covered a lot of ground <laughs> in this show y'all. Um, and I just truly hope and pray that um, for those who we kind of directed this show to that this has been helpful, encouraging, as we always say, practical, give me the, give me some steps. What do I do next? What do I go towards? What do I check out? So I hope that that has been helpful for all of you. Um, and that this is something that you might be able to share if you're like, yeah, this didn't really land with me personally, but holy cow, I do know somebody who could really benefit from this. Like chances are pretty high that no matter who's listening to this show, either you needed it or you know someone, someone mm. who does. And so, you know, yeah. please share this with them if you think it would be helpful. Um, but anyway, this kind of um, wraps up kind of what we were planning to cover this month specifically. I'm really excited that um, we've got a show coming up. Uh, with our founder and president, and she's going to kind of speak to some of these issues as well, just kind of from her own experience of like, hey, guess what? Just because you have Jesus in your life doesn't mean you can't struggle. Mm -hmm. um, just because you're, a, you know, Bible-believing Christian, just because maybe you even run a ministry right. doesn't <laughs> mean that you are exempt from really, you know, deep wounds and hurts and struggles. Mm -hmm. And so kind of speaking from that place we're excited about that um, but anyway we thank you so much for joining us today and hope that you'll join us next time on mercy talk we're so glad you joined us today we'd love for you to head on over to itunes and leave us a review you can also find previous episodes there mercy multiplied is a non-profit organization completely funded by our donors we're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them if you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially head over to mercymultiplied.com